Thank you for joining our conversation on Wow Whispering. I am your host, Diane A. Curran, and it is delightful to be with you. Wow is spontaneous, open, expressive. Whispering is intimate, still, receptive. In our modern age, moments rush in or away like quicksilver. Do we even make the time to savor a wow or reflect on a whisper, to notice and value such gifts? We're ready to do just that with you right now. Today is Earth Day, and it is a very special one. It is the 50th anniversary of the very first Earth Day, which was in 1970. I'd like to share a little bit about how Earth Day got started. It was the counterculture in the United States, 1970, that brought about an interest in environmental concerns among those who were thinking ahead to what is it going to be like to live on this earth if we continue the direction we're going in? Earth Day began when Senator Gaylord Nelson, who was from Wisconsin, took a look at something that really caught his attention and his concern. He had seen what happened as a result of a massive oil spill in Santa Barbara in 1969. This was the age of student movements and a sense that public consciousness was starting to pay attention to air and water pollution. So he partnered together with Pete McCloskey, a Republican congressman, to co-chair and begin an organization that is known now as EarthDay.org. And what they did was to choose April 22nd, 1970, as the day to inspire demonstration, to inspire teaching, to inspire paying attention to what was going on during spring break. And there were quite a few people who paid attention. And in fact, it has gone on to become such an important event. And there are over 5,000 environmental groups in about 184 countries that reach out to many hundreds of millions of people. So there is a sense that Earth Day matters. Now, have the problems been solved? Clearly not. Are there some deaf ears? No question about it. And so we celebrate Earth Day oftentimes with a mix of hope, uh, fear, satisfaction, interest, commitment, and above all, a sense that there is so much more to be done to protect and honor the planet that we live on. And here on Wow Whispering, in the skies above, we always start from Earth. It's where we live, it's where we look out to. And today there was something somewhat different in the news online that caught my attention. And that is the publicity about something that seems very unrelated to Earth Day. Our observation of that which is as far as we can imagine, certainly further than the eye can see, which is our interest as human beings, and not only what's here on Earth, but what is out there. And physicists study and try to really wrap their minds around what there is for us to consider in the universe that might make a difference, that might lead to greater understanding of what there is here on Earth and what awaits us out there in the sky as we begin to explore it 
at an increasingly rapid pace of discovery. A story caught my attention that said astronomers just found a second galaxy containing no dark matter. And there's a prediction that this may change everything we know about how galaxies are formed. This is easy to search. Just go to businessinsider.com. You wouldn't expect stories about outer space to take place on this site, but this is a site that is not just simply about business, but about life. What we have here is something that is not the first instance, but an important second instance of scientists taking a look at the data that's coming their way to say, hmm, is there a galaxy? Is there a second galaxy that doesn't contain what we call dark matter? Now, what the heck is dark matter? Well, NASA is always one of my favorite sources for science and emerging science and factual information. And what they say is that back in the 1990s, we had a pretty certain idea about the expansion of the universe. Well, the expansion of the universe was simply occurring. And what we were discovering is that there was something going on as we started to use the data from the Hubble Space Telescope that told us that the universe was expanding more slowly than we noticed it happening today. Because the further you go, the further back in time that data occurred that's reaching us because as data travels through time, it shows up to us with information that has already occurred simply because it takes a while for things that are far away to get to Earth. Kind of a logical thought, but it isn't something we always consider. What they were able to notice was that the expansion of the universe has not been slowing because of gravity, which is something we're familiar with here on Earth, but it was accelerating. Oh, well, all kinds of explanations from simply tossing out an old version of Einstein's theory of gravity to thinking about cosmological events, to thinking about the Big Bang, to thinking about all of the above. What it brought us to an understanding about is that there's something called dark energy. And dark energy is something that, well, it's simply a mystery to us. We don't know what it is. We can't see it. We can't measure it. So what we discovered was that something called dark energy makes up about 68% of the universe. Of that, dark matter makes up about 27%. Think about it. Energy is something that may or may not be measurable to us in our normal way of thinking about mass and size and weight and all of that. But it also brought about the term dark matter. So dark matter is something that has the qualities that we think of as measurable. There was a sense that there's so much of it that it is permeating everything. So for scientists to suddenly say, hmm, we're noticing some galaxies that don't have what we typically find is dark matter, dark energy. In fact, it's, well, for lack of a better term, normal energy, whatever that means, normal energy. It might mean observable energy. It might mean measurable energy. It might be atomic particles and things that we can identify. So one of my favorite things in life is to have an opportunity to pay attention to discoveries that upend what we think we know, whether it's what I think I know or what scientists as a whole think they know as what pretty much what humanity thinks that it knows. 
And that's always a good sign. Why do I say that? Because there is so much that we, well, we have a habit of thinking we know, and therefore we have a habit of wanting to be right about and saying, aha, this confirms that, therefore, thank goodness I was right about that. Now let me carry on with the same assumptions that I've been operating with all along. And people do this individually, and they do it as groups, they do it as organizations, they do it as countries. We do it as, as a human race. And sometimes what that does, too often it seems, it blinds us to what there is yet to discover that could give us a better handle on what's so in life, and therefore, I say, what's possible in life. Now, why does that matter here on Earth Day? Well, Earth Day, to move us into the other realm that we often like to talk about here on the skies above, let's move us into the realm of symbolism. Sometimes we know it as mythology, sometimes we know it as speculation, sometimes we know it as imagination. But in the world of astronomy and astrology, we have a whole set of symbols that bring us to another way to look at what's here on Earth. And that is the 12 astrological symbols that we assign to different parts of the year. So right now, we are in the part of the year that we call Taurus, astrologically speaking. And Taurus is the bowl. Taurus is the energy that in the system of ancient knowledge that tried to identify what are the rhythms of life that are impacting us, it's what we think of as an earth sign. It's what we think of as the fixed energy of earth. So there are mutable signs, which is all about changeability and flow. There are cardinal signs, which is all about action and initiation. And then there are fixed signs, which is all about stability and permanence. The sign of Taurus is a sign of fixed energy and the earth sign that pertains to that. So here we are on Earth Day thinking, let's keep our planet safe, sound, and for human life to continue onward. And yet we look around and we see we've got oceans where life is deteriorating, where the amount of plastic that we have put into the waters on our planet is choking life. It is choking the natural salinity, the natural flow and beauty and cleanliness of the oceans. It is choking sea creatures who, who wash up on shore and they have been poisoned internally from the plastic they have taken into their inner digestive system that cannot be processed. And it really does stop their metabolism. The rhythms of life are interfered with by what we're putting into an important element of life, the water that surrounds the continents. So Earth Day is concerned with the quality of the water, the quality of the air, the quality of the earth, and the quality of human life, as well as all the species who are now endangered, and well, really endangered, not on a conceptual level, but simply on a practical level as well. So I bring these two thoughts together, this idea of the permanence of life and the permanence of our planet with the impermanence caused by some of the actions which we as human beings take. And we know that they are caused by us because we created plastic. It doesn't show up. We don't mine for plastic in its present form and simply shape it into lovely forms 
that we use to contain things or represent things. It's a manufacturing process where we take other naturally occurring substances and we reshape them and we chemically uh, impact natural resources and we form them into plastic and then we create things out of plastic. So when people debate the notion that there is climate change and climate impact that is only a result of naturally occurring rhythms of life, I have to question that because in fact, we human beings have a much more proactive, a much more sometimes impactful and certainly sometimes aggressive form of making our presence known here on earth. And we, I suggest, need to take responsibility for that. Not like a guilt trip, but like taking responsibility gives us the opportunity to take action, cooperate and work together to create an impact on this planet that is much more respectful of the rhythms it needs for life, the rhythms that animals need for life, and the rhythms that therefore are impacting us as human beings. We all know there's a big emergency going on with honeybees, and those honeybees are not simply out there waiting for an opportunity to sting human beings. They're waiting for opportunities to pollinate flowers and therefore help us for our food source, which comes out of the crops that are impacted by their ability to pollinate and cause cross-fertilization in a way that allows for new plants and new crops and new food sources to grow for us human beings. And in fact, for all the other species of life and all of the other animals in many forms that rely upon plant life. So I mention this because the idea of discovering that there's something else out there in the skies above isn't so remote and isn't so abstract as we think it is because oftentimes we discover things that make a difference to us and what we discover when we explore the moon, we explore Mars, can give us points of view and discover things even further afield than our local solar system planets. These are the things that allow human beings to think in new ways and not simply follow the habits of thought that cause us to think the things we already have and do the things we always do. And how does all of this come together with symbolism? Well, oftentimes, we human beings become interested in new ways of thinking by revisiting ancient symbols and thinking of new ways to comprehend them and allowing it to stimulate a little something called imagination. And imagination is vital to human discoveries. Without imagination, we're simply gonna be walking down the pathways that we already know, and perhaps hmm, just fulfilling on habits that seem automatic and seem to give us an easy time of just doing what we already do. But if we bring our imagination to the forefront and we use symbols and we use patterns and we use things that stimulate us visually or literally by reading books or auditorily by listening to, I don't know, podcasts, this and any other podcast that get you thinking creatively. If we use our imaginations and we move through the, the, the daily rhythms of life and use our kinesthetic energy to also do those walking meditations that get us considering life creatively, well, now we're ready to go into new realms and I say, let's use Earth Day.
to stimulate creativity on levels we don't know where it's going to take us, but we do know it's going to be an adventure. Let's have an adventure that could make a difference in your life personally. It could make a difference in your community life. It could make a difference for Earth Day and all the people that care about our planet. And it could make a difference for those of us who tend to debate each other about the meaning of life, mythology and modernity, symbolism and science, imagination and intellectual interest. Let's use all those dualities to come together to create something brand new. Happy Earth Day to you and happy every day to you. We will be with you again soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being with us on Wow Whispering. In each episode, we present a public service announcement that highlights resources committed to uplifting our quality of life. Look for the episode show notes, which have links to learn more. Today, we are pleased to feature NCGR, which is the National Council for Geocosmic Research. It is a nonprofit organization dedicated to raising the standards of astrological education and research. Along with its U.S. membership, it includes a growing number of national members and sponsors in 30-plus local chapters in 20 U.S. states and four countries. Its special interest groups foster dialogue on various astrological specialties, and its online education and educational conference bring astrologers from around the world together to grow and learn together. Their sister organization is NCGR-PAA and allows students to leverage their astrological education into professional certification. They welcome new members, and you can find out more about them at their website, which is geocosmic.org. That's G-E-O-C-O-S-M-I-C.org. Our second organization is NASA, which is the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. We all know NASA as the place to be if you want to know how to get off the planet and find out extraordinary things about, well, the solar system we live in, for starters. So they're all about the future. So on their website, they ask the question, what's next for NASA? Well, their vision is that we reach for new heights and reveal the unknown for the benefit of humankind. Thousands of people have been working around the world and off of it for decades, trying to answer some really basic questions. What's out there? How do we get there? What will we find? What can we learn there? Or learn just by trying to get there. That will make life better here on Earth. So what's up immediately in the solar system beyond? Well, NASA is going to add to its existing robotic fleet at the Red Planet, with the InSight Mars lander set to study the planet's interior. The Mars 2020 rover will look for signs of past microbial life, gather samples for future return to Earth, and investigate resources that could someday support astronauts right there on Mars. And they're also going to be sending humans out into the solar system, Moon to Mars, the Space Launch System rocket, is going to be building on the growing scientific knowledge of our solar system, NASA is developing the most advanced rocket and spacecraft to lead the next steps of human exploration farther into space than we have ever traveled before. And then there's the International Space Station. The International Space Station, ooh, doesn't that sound romantic and 
interesting and kind of overwhelming and definitely a wow all on its own. Humans have already been living and working off the Earth in the one-of-a-kind research laboratory in microgravity. The International Space Station serves as a blueprint for global cooperation and scientific advancement, a destination for growing a commercial marketplace in low Earth orbit and a test bed for demonstrating new technologies. Research on the station is the springboard to NASA's next great leap in exploration, sending humans into deep space. And they've got even more missions planned about flight, space technology, and of course, Earth. So you can learn more about them at nasa.nasa.gov. So what's next is on their page called nasa.gov forward slash about forward slash what's underscore next dot html but you can go there and find it and take a look at our show notes and you'll see more so lots more to learn lots more to discover what a pleasure to be with you in the world of wow whispering as we complete this episode i invite you to notice the wows and whispers that enliven or challenge as they fulfill life for you in both tiny moments and transforming experiences. I wish you the very best until we meet next time.